Hello and welcome to the Celebration Church podcast. I'm so glad you're here. In just a moment, we're going to jump into a message from Pastor Roger. But before we do, I want to encourage you, connect with us online. Whether that's following us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram, or it's subscribing to our YouTube page or this podcast, do it. We want to stay connected. And another great way you can connect with us is be our guest on a Sunday morning service. If you're here locally, come on out. We want to meet you and connect with you, worship with you. We'd really enjoy that. But without further ado, let's jump into this message from Pastor Roger. Hello, everyone. Good morning. Worship. Can we thank our worship team? And that extends to the back as well. There are some amazing people back there that work tirelessly. They get up early. They stay late. We're a better church because you guys. I appreciate it. Oh, good morning, everyone. I'm ready. Well, now it's almost afternoon, but we're getting there. It's okay. I brought water up this time because first service was famished. Caught it. Anyways. My name is Derek, and I'm, I'm really excited to be giving this word to you guys today. I am part of the team here. I, I got saved in this church, man, like 11 years ago or something like that, 12 years ago. And I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. As Karina said, and as they, as they are in their holiday, our pastor's on holiday, not vacation, the classic. Someone's like, why are you saying holiday? That's so weird. It's did Bible college in Australia. That's just the lingo. I got to use it for a little longer until it starts getting old. But our, our pastors are on vacation or holiday right now, and so the way they rest is they come to church on a Sunday. That's, gr- that's great. I love that. But, but genuinely, who is grateful for our pastors in this house? Yeah, seriously. They work, they work tirelessly. They, they love this house and this community deeply, and I am grateful to serve in a church that wants healthy, rested pastors. Amen? The best thing for our church is healthy, rested pastors. I can continue to lead, and so we love you guys. And, and so if this is your first time, you're new or visiting, and you're like, who is this kid up here talking to me right now? What are we going to talk about today? If you don't vibe with the way I speak or anything like that, it's totally fine. Come back next week. Go Pastor Roger. Kick the tires. Stay with us. We're totally for it, and just give it a go. Amen? Yeah. Amen. So this morning, I, I'm genuinely expectant. Troy, that word was so spot on. It was so spot on. God is good, and he wants to remind people that today. He is good. He is faithful. I believe that something is going to shift in someone today. That maybe there's a mindset or an action or an attitude that you've been maybe facing your whole life. And today could be the day that it's broken off. Today could be the day, friend. That maybe today is the day that a new, cho- a new course is charted for your life. A new trajectory is set out before you by the Spirit of God. Amen. So we, as a church, we've been going over a series. We're in summer fruit, and we've been going over the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit. For the last nine weeks, we've been looking at this. And Paul starts out, we've been starting collectively in the series in Galatians 5.16. In Galatians 5.16, it says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit, to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. So they are at war 
with each other so that you do not do whatever you want. But, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are under no law. I'm going to pray. Jesus, oh, I, we feel you in this room right now, Holy Spirit. I feel your tangible presence in this room, Lord. I pray that you would anoint these words, God, that anything I say that is not of you, people would forget. Lord, that this would be a message that would actually change someone's life by your spirit, that you would soften the hearts of the people in this room today. Amen. The author of this letter is Paul. So Paul, like just, he used to be, he used to go under the, the name of Saul. He was like persecuting the church. And then he gets, has this like radical encounter with Jesus on this road. And then he starts planting all these churches and he starts sending letters to these churches to like help guide and direct them over where God's leading them and stuff. And so he writes this letter to this church. And Paul is urging this church to walk by the spirit, to walk by the spirit. And just, just going to pause on that for a moment. Just going to pause on that. It's walking by the Spirit. So all of us are walking. We're all walking. We can use the, like, the cliche, the journey of life. We're all on the journey. We're all walking somewhere. Now, Paul is saying that we can walk with and by the Spirit. The opposite must be true. We can also walk with and by the flesh. We have a choice. Who are we going to walk with? Like I said, I did, I did Bible college in Sydney, Australia, and I was there for about six years, and we would go on walks all the time. We didn't have a car. We took public transport, buses or trains or ferries or whatever that was, and, but I would go on walks with my friends. We would walk to the beach. We'd walk to the cliff sides. We'd walk to the park. I'm making Australia sound really tough. I know everyone's really sad about my Bible college experience. It was really hard, but we would go on walks all the time, and the point of our walk was never the destination. It was never like, oh, I'm just trying to run and get to this location. The point of the walk always was just to invest in the other person, to share the highs and lows in life. Or in this house, we might use the language of happies and crappies. What are the happies of life? What are the crappies of life? What are the things that are difficult in your life right now? That's what we would do. We wanted to invest in each other. And I believe that the Spirit is calling us into a similar relationship. That the Spirit wants to walk with us, to talk with us, to invest, to learn, to grow together. If you've been a believer for any amount of time, and you've been following Jesus or trying to do this, this Christian life, you will find very fast that there are no shortcuts for deep personal character and spiritual growth. There are no shortcuts for this. There's no shortcuts. We live in a, as has been said on the stage before, we live in an air fryer, microwave culture. But we serve a oven-roasted, slow cooker, or in Idaho, smoked Traeger God. We serve a God who's taking his time. He's letting that meat sit. Like, I can't get my nuggets in four minutes or three minutes. I got to let them sit for 12 minutes or 12 hours. I got to take some time. He's a God of process. We need to walk. We're not running. We need to walk with the Spirit. Paul even goes further on to say, keep in step with the Spirit. So we've been looking at the fruit of the Spirit. He's saying that when you walk by the Spirit, these are the things that will be produced in your life. In Galatians 5, 23, it says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and Self-control, yay. 
Who's excited for the message today? Who feels like an expert in self-control and wants to swap me right now? Just come up on here and be like, I got this. I am up at 4.30 every morning, working out, doing my stuff, like devos, everything is like 100%. Who feels like an expert in self-control? Yeah, I didn't think so. Because <laughs> I, I don't, and I'm grateful to share this, but I believe in God's word. I believe that he can empower us by his spirit. And so he says, against such things, there is no law. There is no law. When I look at this list that Paul has up here, I don't typically feel great all the time. Like, I'm not, like, amazing. I'm like, oh, this is so great. This is so cool. Like, I'm, I'm kicking all these goals. I'm being so patient and so kind. With sober reflection, I can actually look at my life and see, wow, I can struggle in many of these areas. I can totally struggle. My fruit is not ripe in a sense. But these fruit grow together. What good is being a completely patient person with no love or no kindness or no goodness in your life? They grow together, yet we've been looking at them individually, dissecting them a little bit, seeing how they, what Paul is trying to say or what, how, they, how they impact our lives or how they can grow in our lives. Now, Paul is using a well-known metaphor of fruit. It's a well-known metaphor of fruit. It says Old Testament imagery, New Testament imagery, this is a very common thread through scripture in, in, in many areas, and I think it's very important. It's very critical. Now, I don't personally have a green thumb yet, in faith, yet. I will have a green thumb. I want, I want to be a plant dad, genuinely. You can laugh, you can tease me, I don't care. I want to be a plant dad. I want plants in my office, I want plants in my room, I want, plant, I want plants, I want them to be thriving, and like when people come over, they're like, man, Derek, your plants are so amazing, how do you take care of them? And I'm like, there's a thing called YouTube, it's awesome. Like you just look things up, and you're like, how do I water this? How long do I water it? What do I do? And for one year, so side note, if you want to get me a gift, plants, that's what I want, I want plants. Anyways, for one year, I was given a plant. I was given a basil plant. I'm gonna, they're going to throw a photo up here. I was given a, bar- a basil plant. This is Barry, my basil plant. I named my plants as well. I don't care. You could shame me about it later. It's fine. But this, some people were like, this looks terrible. I was super proud of my basil plant here. Super proud. It was a gift. It was really small when I first got it. And I was like, man, this is an opportunity for me to flex my, my green thumb here. This is, I, this is my moment. My moment to be a plant dad. This is Barry. I was super excited. Still am, clearly. And I was like, this is a great opportunity. Not only do I get to try to be this plant dad, but... I can have fresh basil on my pizza and I can make like my sourdough and put fresh basil with some tomato and mozzarella. I'm super bougie. I get it. I, but this is, this is my life. This is what I wanted. So I started to look up how to care for this plant. How much sun? What's the correct amount of water? How do I prune a basil plant? I'm like over here like pruning the plant and then like the spirit's speaking to me. I'm like crying in my own life. Like, Lord, what are you pruning off of my life? Like I'm having like this big moment with this basil plant. I'm like, what's going on? You're so good, Jesus. Prune the things off of me. You don't want to grow. Like it was amazing. I'm like this basil plant speaking to me. It was awesome. Now, I do have a question though. Could you say that I was growing the basil plant? It's kind of like a yes with a question mark. Yes? Sure, maybe. Did I control the sun? Did I control the photosynthesis that happens? Did I control the inner workings of like the seed and it getting the water and growing through the nutrients? Or did I control any of those things? No. But I can cultivate, and I cultivated the soil and the environment in which the plant grows. Was my role in growing the basil plant unimportant? No. My role was critical, actually. It was critical for its growth. 
How much control do I have over growing it? Some. I had to pick off little bugs from this thing, and I was like, man, like, if I didn't do this, who would do it? What would happen to the basil plant? I don't grow the fruit, but I can hinder the growth of the fruit. I can't plant something and then forget about it or neglect it. Would anything be produced if it was neglected? So I know I cannot, on my own, change my character. But at the same time, I can hinder this growth process. I can do all sorts of things to minimize the work of the Spirit in my life. Some translation would say, quench or still or hinder. So is it me or is it the Spirit working in me? What's the percentage? Who's the primary in this growth relationship? We would probably all say the Spirit. Amen. Let's go. Definitely the Spirit. If I had to put it down to like a mathematical number, what? 80, 20, 90, 10, 99, 1, or like 0.0001%, but I'm supposed to do something. I'm supposed to do something. I need to tend to the basil plant. This is the tension, I think, that we all face in life. Like I said, I've been a Christian for just a little over a decade, got saved from this church up at Quaker Hill for a, at a youth camp, and, and God has done amazing things in my life, and he's, he's, he's growing things in me and pruning things off of me, yet I still sin, yet I still live with habits in my life that are sinful, even though I have the Spirit living inside of me. I'm walking with the Spirit. This is the tension. Why is deep character change such a long process in our lives? There is no shortcut. Now, something that was explained to me, this is how it was explained to me, and I, I, I hope it's helpful. I'm going to show it. It's going to be a little like chart that's going to come up here. This is what I feel like Paul is talking about in Galatians right here. We have the Spirit on one side, and the flesh on the other side. They are in conflict with each other, as we just read. They are at war with each other. The spirit is producing fruit in our lives, and the flesh wants to produce the works of the flesh, or our sinful nature, is how Paul describes it. He says this. Paul gives us a list. He gives us a list in his time of vices and virtues, in a sense. Vices and virtues. He said, Galatians 5, 19 through 21, it says this. Now, the works of the flesh are evident. Some translations will say obvious. We know what they are. They're obvious. Yeah. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensual, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity. Who's used enmity in their sentences last week? <laughs> no one. I don't use that word anymore. Strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Who is excited to be in church today? Amen. Come on, somebody. Nice and light, easy service, easy scriptures. We're loving it. Super uplifting. Yay. Thanks, Paul. Paul's describing his world and ours, the works of the flesh. He says, I warn you as I've warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. In Galatians, Paul continues. In Galatians 6, this is... Very important, Galatians 6, 8 to 9, he says, Whoever sows to please the flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. So we're supposed to sow something, right? Why didn't he say sit? Why didn't he say just passively sit by and wait, and these fruit will be produced in your life? It's not, we have to sow something, we, we have to sow something. Who is tending to the basil plant? 
who is cultivating the soil in your life. I spent time on this intentionally because I want to close out the series of the fruit. We've been looking at it individually, but also just big picture. This is a big picture. We know this tension all too well for honest. Walking with the spirit and walking with the flesh at times. So what does this have to do with self-control? With self-control. We live in a self-world, right? We know this. We live in a self-consumed world. We have self-help. We have self-improvement, maybe self-denial, self-gratification. If you're a Parks and Rec fan, you'd be like, treat yourself. Like, that's totally a thing. Like, treat yourself. Do you do you, boo? Like, you do your thing. Like, it's all about you. Be true to yourself, 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 yourself. I want to try something. I think it worked pretty well in the first, the first service. We'll try something. If you have an iPhone, pull it out for me. If you have an iPhone. If you don't have an iPhone, I'm so sorry. Like, I don't know what to tell you. You could probably do it on Android. I just don't know how to do it on Android because I don't have one. I want you to go to your photos. Go to your photos. At the very bottom of your photos, you'll have a thing. It'll say albums on it. Click on albums. It should bring you up to your front albums here. And then if you scroll down a little bit, it'll have a thing that'll say media types. In media types, it'll say selfies. How many selfies have you taken in your phone? Because I know for me, out of 7,000 photos I have on there, I have like 650 selfies. That's a lot of self. Even if I have people in them with me, I have taken a lot of self-focus, a lot of selfies. We live in a world of self at times. I know when I think about self-control in my own life, I tend to not be the hero in the story, right? I lost my timer. That's what we all want. There we go. I, t I tend to not be the hero of the story. I'm not thinking, oh, man, Derek, good on you, mate. Good on you. You were super good there. You, your self-control was just, just spot on. You just, you just handled it real well. That's typically, typically not the disposition. Typically, I think the opposite. Just in preparing this message on Friday, I get in an argument with someone about how to best describe self-control to the church. How hilarious is that? I'm like debating with someone on like the way that we describe self-control. And I said, hey, I'm going to take this angle. And he goes, I don't think that's the right way to go. I, don't, I think you're missing the mark. I was like, well, this is what it says in this verse. And he's like, well, this is what it says in this verse. And I'm like going back and forth. And my back's starting to get sweaty. I'm starting to like get frustrated and like a little irritated. And I'm thinking, man, what's the silver bullet? What's like the thing that's going to be like, got him. Like, got him. Like, put him in his place. And I, I missed it. I, I get in the car. I sit down. And I just feel the Holy Spirit ask me, hey, Derek. Was that pretty self-controlled of you? And I was like, oof, missed it, missed it. Not self-controlled. When I say something that I know I shouldn't, or when I try to be funny at the expense of somebody else and I hurt someone, or I engage in a pointless debate, we might even say the modern-day keyboard warrior out there just firing off their opinion on something just to be like, oh, I'm going to prove a point to someone. I'm going I'm to show them my side without any care for the person. An area that most of us can probably relate to with lacking self-control is in our words and our speech, right? That's like a pretty common thing. How many times have we said something and it leaves our mouths and we're chasing it down? We're like, no, 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 come back, come back, come back. Oh, no, I didn't mean to say that. Oh, my gosh, oh, my gosh, I didn't mean to say that. I got to bring that back. I, I want to put it back in. And we, we know right when the words leave our mouth, it's, it's too late. It's too late. We're in an argument, like I said, looking for that mic drop moment or that silver bullet. 
For those who are married in here, and I would assume that this is probably hitting home. That's a, that's a, that's a pretty safe guess. Yeah, pretty, pretty safe guess. That you've said something to your spouse, or your spouse has said something to you, and you know that pierced them, and you hurt them right away. Lack of self-control in our words. It's not being self-controlled, because we know if we have won the argument, but have lost the person, we've really lost. If we won the argument and proved our point, and we've lost the person completely, we, we really lost. We've been, we've been defining all these fruit of the Spirit. And self-control, we're going to look at it as well. It's, it's a Greek word, two Greek words put together. The first portion of it is en, so E-N, and it translates typically to in, I-N. And the second part, uh, the second root word of it is kratos. And if you're a nerd in here at all, you're thinking God of War, just like I do, it's, it's totally fine. But regardless, it means strength and power. Strength and power. So I think Paul is urging us to be in strength or to be in power, to be bridled in our strength or bridled in our power. The Bible typically can refer to self-control as temperance, meaning self-restraint or moderation. Some people might just describe self-control as abstinence from all things. Even the ancient authors in Paul's time said that self-control was the foundation of all virtues, almost as a vehicle to drive other things. And, and I think even when I reflect on the fruit of the Spirit, it feels like that I almost need self-control to produce the other ones at times. I'm like, I need self-control to be patient. I need self-control to show love. I need, I need to be control of my desires, my emotions, my actions to like produce something. What portion do I play? How am I cultivating the soil? Who's tending to the basil plant? Another definition says the ability to express or exhibit resident strength or might. Even Eugene Peterson, the author of the message, he says self-control is able to marshal and direct our energies wisely, to marshal and direct our energies wisely to have control. I'm not going to go over all the areas that we lack control. Like, I think like Paul says, they're obvious, the areas of the flesh. And I think they're often obvious, the areas that we lack self-control. Just take a drink. Now, what, what does a self-controlled person look like? So I want to almost give us a model in a sense or some examples of a self-controlled person. A self-controlled person, remember, back to the graph, a self-controlled person doing what? Walking with the Spirit or walking in step with the Spirit. I don't want self-help. I want Spirit help. I want Spirit help in my life. I want to walk in step with the Spirit. A self-controlled person walking in step with the Spirit looks like this, I think. The first one is this. A self-controlled person responds rather than reacts. They respond rather than reacts. They respond. When another believer or another person criticizes me unfairly, says something about my character or my name, slanders me behind my back, my flesh will scream for revenge. My flesh wants, no, we got to get them back. we got to prove to them. we got to show them what we're really about. But the spirit inside of me screams, hopefully, Absolutely not. I'm not going to do that. Absolutely not. I'm going to have control over my desires and my passions. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. 
In James, it says this, James 3, starting in verse 9, it says, With the tongue, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness or his image. They're an image bearer, the person that we're cursing. They're an image bearer. They're a reflection of God. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both a fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. I want to be someone who is speaking praises, not only to God, but singing the praises of others, the good things, the encouragement. I want to respond rather than react to situations. That's the first one. The second one is this, a self-controlled person does not use others to gratify their own desires. And who is so happy to be in church today? This is amazing. Feeling nice and just nice and warm in here. Does not use others to gratify their own desires. I believe they have a strength to say no to themselves. Say no to the sinful nature. Galatians 2, or 6-2, sorry, still in the book of Galatians, still in Paul's overarching theme, says to carry each other's burdens and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. Carry each other's burdens. It is hard, I believe, to take advantage of someone else when you are serving them, when you're helping them. Even a shameless plug practically here. We got a crash course next week. We could serve. It's, it's, it's hard to take advantage of someone when you're serving them. So the first one is a self-controlled person responds rather than reacts. A self-controlled person does not use others to gratify their own desires. And a self-controlled person looks ahead to perseverance, looks ahead. Matthew 26, 41, Jesus is talking with his disciples before his death and he tells them to watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Watch and pray. He doesn't say watch and pray so that you'll not fall into sin, but he says into temptation. It's, it is coming and I believe a self-controlled person is aware, is practical about this. It's on its way. So I want to watch and pray. I want watchfulness and prayerfulness to be a marker of my life, to watch and to pray. It says this way as well, without vigilance. And what I mean by vigilance is spiritual awareness and discernment. Without vigilance, we will not exercise self-control. And without self-control, as we know, we will indulge ourselves freely according to the advice of the world. And we know the world is very self-focused, self-gratification, self-improvement. Proverbs 25, 28 says it this way, A man or even a person without self-control is like a city broken into, left without walls. A city broken into, left without walls, shattered, able to be invaded, has no defenses, I think self-control can be a great defense in our life. Paul goes on, he writes all these other letters to these other churches, and there's a collection of them we call the pastoral letters or the pastoral epistles. In Timothy and Titus, and in these letters, Paul is saying that a basic element, a basic element of the observable Christian life should be self-control. He implores the old men, the old women, the young men, the young women, to model self-control. He believes that it is a fundamental aspect of our new existence in Christ. 
that we've been made new in Christ, and thus we've been gifted, in a sense, self-control. I think in one level, it's actually a marker that separates us from the animals, in a sense. You look at the animals are driven by desire only, by the desire, their animal instinct. But we, as humans, as image bearers, have self-control. We have the ability to take charge of mind with the power of Christ. The ability to control over impulses, the impulses of overindulgence or overappetite or to think wrong thoughts about ourselves and others, without which we would lead to, of course, excessive behavior. I think the most spiritual person I know, the most spiritual person I know is the one that is able to take control of their desires and takes all of that energy and focuses it into love for others. I want to take all my desires, and not all the desires are bad. There's holy ambition or holy desires, as Peter or as, as Paul also says later on. There's holy desires that we can have and focuses them into love for others. Now, the question is, what do we do? That's the question, what do we do? We look at, I built all this tension up. You tend to your basil plant. What do I do? We need to walk in step with the Spirit. Keep in step. I think Paul gives us the antidote. Galatians 5, 24, 25, he says this. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, what? Crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. I think Paul is using this imagery of crucifixion very deliberately. To be merciless against our flesh and our desires that are the ways of the world. He goes on even earlier in Galatians. Galatians is about six chapters. I would recommend read it all at once, out loud. Take about 20 minutes. It'll change the way you see it. It's amazing. Galatians 2.20 says this, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. I think the antidote for self-control is looking to the cross. That's, that's it. It's looking to the cross. It might sound so simple, but I think that's what it is. The only person that was able to win this tension war between spirit and flesh was Jesus. To walk perfectly with the spirit and to not give in the temptations of the flesh. That in light of the sacrifice he has made, I believe we are able to crucify our flesh, to put it to death. I, genuinely, I'm here to remind someone today that the works of the flesh does not define you, friend. Your past does not define you. The decisions you made over the weekend did not define you. That is not the marker of your life anymore. You are a new creation in Christ. That I believe with yielding to the Spirit, that he will empower us to make the right decisions. I often have these moments, and I, I call them a moment of clarity. A moment of clarity, or a moment of sanity, or even a moment of sobriety. Where maybe after I have, like, the argument I get in. I sit in this moment, and Spirit starts to speak to me, and I'm like, man, I think I need to ask for forgiveness. A moment of clarity. And I think right now it could be a moment of clarity for somebody. Whatever the issue is, I think it's time to make it happen. If, it's, if the marriage is on the rocks, maybe it's time to seek counsel. That, maybe that's your soil that you need to plant in. What's the environment? Maybe it's time to just book that counseling appointment or, or book that help with someone or speak out to another couple that you trust. Maybe that is the environment. That's the sowing that we need to do. Maybe you're struggling with this, your phone, your time, your energy, your efforts. It's just robbing you of your time. Or images and videos that you're looking on there that are corrupting your mind, friend. 
Maybe it's time to downgrade. Maybe that's the moment of clarity. Just go to a flip phone for a couple months. Trust me, the Holy Spirit, I believe, will produce self-control in your life. It will. You are cultivating an environment in your life to focus and walk with the Spirit. Because what's at stake here is so much more important. It's so much more important than convenience. Maybe it's anger and it's time to reach out for some guidance. Or like I said, maybe it's the words that we say or have said to others that have hurt them. And we need to ask for forgiveness. Take some self-control and some introspective to, to, to go that way. Pastor Roger encouraged us last week to set a time and a place to read our Bible and pray. Friend, it's a week later. Have we done that? It's practical. I just want practicalities. I want environments in my life that good fruit can grow. I want to be effective and I want to be useful. I want good fruit to grow in my life as the team would come and join me. I believe that in faith, by the power of the Spirit, in faith, by the power of the Spirit, our old sinful nature has been killed. That we are a new, we are made new in Christ. That we can live by the Spirit. That we can keep in step with the Spirit. I want to encourage us to play the role of the gardener. Play the role of the gardener. Tend to the basil plant. Tend to bury the basil plant. There's a verse that I want to read out over all of us. And it's in 2 Peter. It's a bit long, but I'm just going to read through it. And I think this is really encouraging for us. I know it's very encouraging for me. I think for us collectively, it can be very encouraging. It says this. 2 Peter 1, starting in verse 3, it says, His divine power, His divine power has given us everything needed for life and godliness. That's some good news, amen? He's given us everything for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who has called us by His own glory and goodness. Thus, thus He has given us through these things His precious and very great promises so that you, church, may escape from the corruption that is in this world because of lust and may become participants of the divine nature. I want to be a participant of divine nature, amen? I want to walk in step with the Spirit. I want to partner with the Spirit. For this very reason, I think this is very important. For this very reason, Peter is urging his church then, and I think our church now, you must make every effort to support your faith. Make every effort. They use a word here as add, or an add lavishly, no expenses. Don't hold any expense. Make every effort to add to your faith with goodness, and goodness with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance, endurance with godliness and godliness with mutual affection and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing among you collectively, they will keep you from being what? Ineffective and unfruitful. I want to be effective. I want to be fruitful. I want to be used by God in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For anyone who lacks these things is nearsighted and blind and is forgetting of the cleansing of past sin. Friend, I'm here to remind you again, your past sin has been cleansed. It doesn't hold you down anymore. You are new in Christ. He has paid that price. He said it is finished. 
not continuing. It is done. Therefore, brothers and sisters, be all the more eager to confirm your call and election. I'm here to remind you again, God has called you. He has chosen you. If you do this, you will never stumble. For in this way, entry into the eternal kingdom of our Lord Jesus the Savior will be what richly provided. Therefore, I intend to keep on reminding you of these things. If you talk to me in the foyer, I'm going to remind you. Your past is behind you. You are made new in Christ. You can walk with the Spirit. You can sow. I might ask, how are you tending to your basil plant? How are you tending to your basil plant? If we would all stand together. I think Peter calls on us to farm vigorously. He calls us to farm, farm vigorously, to bring every effort to bear upon the process of cultivating our spiritual growth. He urges us, like I said, to be lavish in our efforts, to be lavish in our efforts. And I think right now, there's some people I know I wanna pray for. You might say, hey, Derek, I believe in Jesus. I've been trying to walk this Christian life for a while now and I'm just tired. I don't know what, I don't know how to do this anymore. My spiritual walk or my walking in step with the spirit is pretty lackluster or is not great. That's your friend, you're not alone. You're not alone. But we serve a good God. His goodness is chasing you down. It's following you every day. And I believe right now that we can lay some stuff at the cross. Whatever your lack of self-control is or whatever your area is that has been just haunting you, I think right now it could be broken off. That as we renew our walk with the Spirit, so to say, that new things will happen. If that's you, I would love for you just to lift both hands high to heaven. Just to know who I'm praying for. Yeah. Mm. God, you see all the hands that are raised, Lord every single person that their hands are raised right now and even those those that didn't Lord that you would just fill them afresh right now Holy Spirit that you'd come upon them and you'd walk with them you would remind them every day that you are their guide you love them they they are a new creature in Christ that they have been made new that they bear your image that they have been made a son or a daughter of the most high they have already been given the highest authority and that you love them Remind them again that their past does not define them. That the lack of self-control that they may have dealt with does not define them. They are new in you. That they can walk with their shoulders back and their head held high, knowing they're walking with the Spirit. Amen. And one other group. If this, through this time you're like, Derek, I have no idea what you're talking about. Who is this Jesus person? I'm just here around just trying to figure out what the church is about. If that's you, friend, it's okay. You're in a great spot. We love you, and God loves you. Jesus loves you. If you've never made a decision for Jesus, today is the day of your salvation. Today can be the day to get right with God. He's calling you. He wants to walk with you. He wants to partner with you. He loves you. We're going to do a simple thing. We do it often. We're going to repent. We're going to believe. Repentance is actually very simple. It means that we're going to turn away from things that we say, do, and think that don't please God. And we are going to turn to a new life. We are going to turn away from the sinful nature and we are going to be like, I'm walking with the Spirit. I am walking with the Spirit. And God will empower you, friend. If that's you with every head bowed and every eye closed, just for privacy's sake, just, just 
Put your hands up to the air. Give me a hand or something. I just want to know who I'm praying for. Thank you. Yes, yes, yes. I see those hands. Pray something like this in your own words. Dear Jesus, we love you. I'm sorry for living life my own way. I'm sorry for walking by my sinful nature. Lord, I repent of those things. And I choose you. That I believe that you are the Lord of my life. That you have been raised from the dead. And I will follow you every day that I can. Amen. Celebration Church, let's congratulate those. We celebrate those who have made that decision. And the rest of us, the rest of us, let us respond in worship. This is a great opportunity to lay things down to the cross. Amen. Hey, I just want to say thank you again for tuning in to today's podcast. If you want to learn more about Celebration Church, I'd encourage you to go to our website, www.thecelebration.church to find out more. Well, we love you guys and let's continue to love God, love people and change the world.